This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr from Aurora, Colorado. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, May 15th, episode 1896. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world. Houston, we have a problem. Ability equals skill plus knowledge. Bad feeling about this. Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Missed it by that much. How can I change this to make it better the next time? Help you, I can. Yeah. Time for Training Tuesday on Horses in the Morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning in May. And, of course, we have Christy back with us. She is here the third Tuesday of every month. Hi, Christy. Hello, Glenn. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us from Colorado. We love it. I'll tell you what we had yesterday. Oh, my gosh. So the morning was beautiful, sunshine, everything's great. And then you know how I work from my office at my house. All of a sudden, at about noon, the skies darken. The thunder comes, and we just get full-blown rain and hail. Just bam. I'm like, oh. So for all of those people that waited until Mother's Day to plant all their flowers, they're all done. They're already toast. <laughs> Oops. Not good. Oops. Not- we oh. finally started in rain this week. Uh, you know, Florida's funny. People think of it as really, really tropical, but over the winter, we're really, really dry. And uh, and the rains then start about this time, about the middle of May, and then you start with the daily rains, and then it becomes somewhat buggy and tropical. Well, that started this week. We got the system over top of us. So it, uh, hopefully it started because the grass is not doing well so far this year. And, uh, you know, it's funny because you don't think about that in Florida, but it's true. That's what happens over the winter. It dries up. Yeah, it's very interesting. All these different ecosystems all around, you know, but oh, that hail, I'll tell you. I mean, it's 60 degrees on the ground and I don't know, 31 in the sky. So when it comes down, oh no, it wasn't that bad. Thank goodness. Just pea size. Yeah. Yeah, just pea size. Those poor people who live in Texas and get the golf ball size and the baseball size hail every once in a while. It dents up the side of the house and destroys every car. It's like, oh my God. I know. We, we've we had that once or twice where it's uh, ruined my husband's topper on his work truck and it's actually dented our roof, but not very often, thank goodness. Well, there you go. Well, Jennifer, we have a lot going on today. We have a lot of guests, a lot coming up. We do. Coming up on today's CHA Tuesday edition, we're going to have a chat with a few of the presenters at the upcoming upcoming CHA International Conference. That would be Heidi Malako, Laura Hart- Hamron, Kathy Jogan and Karen Burbank are all going to stop by. Plus, we will have cleverly inserted equine-themed sarcasm, compliments of Glenn, who is in a pre-vacation state of frenzy. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Very good. (laughs) Thank you so much. So what's going on, Christy? I don't know, but I can't wait for the sarcasm part. Now I'm all intrigued. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that. And the whole pre-vacation he can't help frenzy. <laughs> so I understand that too. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I don't have any sarcasm. It's too early in the morning for that wittiness yet. But as far as what's going on, there's some exciting things coming up. We have a uh, barn near us called the Harmony Equine Center. And it's uh, animals, um, horses that are in transition that have been seized by the county sheriff. So it's not an owner-relinquished facility, but it's seized by the sheriff. And I'll tell you that it's a pretty phenomenal place. They actually have a number of horse trainers on site, and they make sure that the horses are uh, at least uh, put, they can be caught, they can be handled, they can be tied, they can have their feet done by the farrier, they can have the vet do what the vet needs to do. They can be loaded in a trailer, that kind of stuff. And then others, they find out that they actually have riding skills and they can actually get on them. And so when they adopt them out, they, they're they very useful and their new families love them. So they've been able to move quite a few horses, not just as pasture ornaments, but actually as um, viable citizens on the payroll for those of us that teach riding lessons and things like that too. So it's been kind of an exciting place and they're having um, a big, for those of you that live in Colorado, an event on June 1st and 2nd, you should come for an open house and then they're having a bunch of us do speaking and so we're excited about that. Very cool. Very cool. And then the other one is American Horse Council Convention and that's in on June 10th and that one to me, it's a really weird one to pack for. Because most of these events, you wear your good jeans and some cowboy boots and you're good to go. And not at this one. Everybody wears the suit. And I just don't own a whole lot of those. Glenn and Jen. And oh my gosh, you got to go to the dry cleaner. And you got to make sure the heels actually have a heel no, on them. And it has to I fall it own, off. I uh, will not own anything that has to go to the dry cleaner. If I buy clothing that has to be dry cleaned, it gets worn until it needs dry cleaned. And then if it survives the washing machine, it survives. And if not, oh well. Yes, yes, you're smart. (laughs) Remember, I used to be in television news, and in television news, they require you to buy some pretty fancy clothing. So I, uh, thank goodness, have stayed my same size since I was in television news land. So I just pull out the old-looking suits. I was going to say the styles are out of date at this point. Yeah, you know. I don't know if I care. (laughs) Kind of cheap. We had to do... And I can I can hear it now the whispering behind the scenes at the at the conference. Like Christy Landwehr, she comes She's, here every year and she looks like some kind of a news anchor or something. <laughs> and she wears the same suit from all the seventies, yeah, or eighties, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now I went over I went away over the weekend. I had to be somewhat fancy, and I realized I didn't have any regular slacks. I have khakis and I had a suit, and that's it. I, I, and jeans, and that's it. You know, because who dresses up anymore? Well, uh, and also you live in Florida. And yeah, I live exactly. In Colorado. I have really you know, nice shorts in these states. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, if we if we lived in New York City or if we lived in Boston or something like that, maybe we'd have these kind of clothes, right? Right. Oh. Exactly. And and who needs them when you're a horse person? They're just going to yes. get gummy gummed up, you know, because we all wear that shirt that you know the couple of nice shirts we have, and we we put it on and we say, I'm just going to stop the barn on the way to wherever uh-huh. and then uh, the nice shirt gets trashed and that's happened oh, to every pair so of shoes bad. and nice shirt i've owned yes and yeah. when i get dressed up i always say to myself that i look at my husband and i go i feel like it's halloween I said, Is this Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> yeah you do a lot of public stuff i mean you're out about but it's mostly horsey stuff you can wear jeans 
So yeah. that's right. I could be very casual, but I, I, I do own some makeup. So there's that, but you got to make sure the makeup's ready. You got to get, you know, well, what's good about this though, is right before that convention, I'm actually going on a cruise with my family because it's my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. So I'm actually going to have tan legs. So I don't need to buy the nylons. Oh, and you'll have a formal night too. It's carnival still do formal nights. They do. Yeah. We- that's kind of fun. Yeah, Royal Caribbean does too. We're going to be on one next week, and they still do a formal night. I kind of like it. You get all dressed up, and they're there taking pictures, and everybody looks all fancy for one night. See, it's, it's Halloween. It's, it's, it's right. Fun. It's Halloween. That's right. Hey, uh, while Jennifer's getting our first guest on, I wanted to ask you about the American Horse Council. What What's the hot topics right now? What's What's the thing that they're trying to accomplish in Washington? You know, they have a variety of different things. Um there's always something, you know, there's always transportation bills about hauling horses. There's always things about immigration, which really affects our industry, um, especially on racetracks and things like that, the big breeding barns and what have you. Um, there's now, right now, the CDL, the commercial driver's right. license, and that's a really big deal. And the electronic, the ELD, the electronic logging device. And for those that, you know, haul horses commercially or are horse trainers or instructors taking their clients to shows, it really does affect them. Yeah, and we, we've so, talked about that a number of times. As a matter of fact, we had scheduled the guy that's in charge of the entire transportation department for the United States to come on, and he canceled out twice conveniently uh, at the last minute and now has never been on. So I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Well, it's such a convoluted topic, and I think it's varied by state by state. It's a hard one. But for anybody listening, the American Horse Council is the convention that we're talking about, and it is absolutely open to anyone to come at any time and be a part of it. So, And they're kind of our legislative arm for the horse world. Um, That's exactly what they are, yeah. They're they're out there, uh, you know. They they know how to get around Congress and how to try and make things happen as best you can in that city. And that's you know at least we're represented, and that's who we're who we are represented by. Yes. Um, otherwise, we would really have no representation there. <laughs> so you no. Know, so it is good. It is very good to have them. But what's so fun is we get to actually go up to the hill. So um, you know, us ladies, there's not a whole lot we can do because we're in our suits. But the guys can wear their suits. But then they always wear their cowboy hats and their boots with their suits. It's great. <laughs> they, they look a little out of place in DC, do they? That's good. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I was in Fort Lauderdale all over the weekend. We were doing a Finding Florida episode, and I also wore my cowboy hat the one night. And we were at this one fancy, fancy hotel because that was kind of the theme of the weekend. And um, there were these. Uh, there was this big Italian wedding going on that looked like these mafia, big mafia guys with the gold chains and the whole thing. And they thought our cowboy hats were pretty cool. They came over <laughs> and they were talking to us, and they, yeah, and we were like, we need to get out of here now. <laughs> 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 it is fun. It yeah, does draw attention when you're in certain circumstances, that's for sure. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. In other places, you're just ignored, right? It's exactly. Like, always, yeah, no big when, deal. when you're in uh, places where they don't belong or aren't normally, it's interesting to see the reactions. Uh-huh. Well, we have our first guest ready. Okay, well, let me introduce Heidi. This is awesome to have her on our show today. Heidi Nyland Malaco founded The Whole Picture to help small businesses thrive online and in the media. She has built social media accounts from zero to hundreds of thousands of followers. Her clients include horse trainers, equestrian fashion designers, tack manufacturers, leather craftsmen, natural feed and supplement companies, and more. Heidi's photography and journalism are regularly seen in Horse and Rider, 
Sports Illustrated, and Young Rider magazines. Her journalism and photography has earned American Horse Publications and A Media Awards and honors. So, Heidi, welcome today to the show. It's wonderful to have you on. Thank you, Christy. Hello, Glenn. Hi, Heidi. It's been a long time now. P- long-time listeners of our shows will remember Heidi because she mm-hmm. is also a trail riding guru and the queen of trail riding. <laughs> and she did a whole bunch of tips for us over on Horse Tip Daily, which you can still go to horsetipdaily.com and you can put in Heidi. And it was uh, it was Nyland, last, the Nyland. last name back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so N-Y-L-A-N-D. So if you type in Heidi Nyland, you'll find all of her tips and they were terrific. We miss you. We miss you here. It's been like nine years. <laughs> a little too long. Yes, we'll have to fix that. Yeah, we're going to have to fix that. If you're going to AHP, I'll be there. We'll have to catch up for sure. Yes, I would love that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, look at you graduating to the big time media world. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I think I've had my hand in all things media for a long time. I think I've been behind the scenes for a lot of things and I'm just kind of opening it up and I have a lot of clients right now that I love working with. I have a couple of gals that work with me to just help with anything media, social media and video and writing press releases and just helping small companies get out there in the horse world. Do you still trail ride? I do. I still ride. We actually have two acres here. I have a horse for me and a pony for my five-year-old daughter. It's hard to believe I have a five-year-old daughter, but they hang out here. And then we're kind of in a community of horse property. So we can ride around the edges. And so maybe a little more arena work. And I'm just teaching some lessons and things like that, too. But, yep, still doing all the horse stuff. Cool. Very good. The good combination, and we're so glad because um, she was actually at our conference a while back, and it's time to have her mm-hmm. again. So we are thrilled that you're <laughs> going to be coming. And for anyone great. who's listening, before we kind of launch into today's um, topic, the, the conference is going to be in Fort Collins, Colorado, and it's going to be September 28th through the 30th, and it's open to everyone listening. It's not just for riding instructors that are certified with us. It's open to everyone. And Boy, there is something to learn. Um, Heidi, do you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about the talk you're going to do for us? Sure. So we are going to talk about navigating social media and how to manage your time wisely, how to use the time that you have for that. Everybody knows it's important, but there are so many changes lately that it's hard to keep up with. And what was good to do, man, even in December is not what you should be doing now. And I'm sure it will change again a little bit before the conference. So I feel like that's my job here lately is keeping up with changes and knowing what works for horse people, where are the horse people, where they're still going to congregate, no matter what happens with the the craziness of Facebook and who's mad at who or things like that. People want a place that they can find out and learn things from other horse people, just like your radio show, Glenn. And, and so those groups are going to stay. So how do you get your business seen in the groups and get good engagement and post the right things and still have time to actually do the horse stuff that is your main job to do? And that's what I love um, about it is that you're going to do the how to be fast about it and how to be expedient about it and not be stuck in the computer because none of us want to be stuck on the computer. It makes us all crazy. Right, right. And I think with my clients, I've come up with some good plans of what we post for them and bigger things. Maybe there's a video project or something that is bigger and takes more time. 
but there are things you can be doing on your own and making sure that you're not just worried about scheduling something every day or 50 times a day, like used to be the good rule, but what can you do to post good content, things that are actually going to get engagement to know how to use the hashtags and the tags to be able to get your message out to other people. I, I kind of equate messages that don't have tags with just putting a little sign out in front of your house and hoping people might drive by and see that. But if you know how to use hashtags, you're going to get found by other people. You're actually going to be sought out. And if you know how to tag a group and to, to ask for engagement and build community yourself, you're going to get your friends to help you out and get your message out for you. So just how to use it wisely. If you're going to take that time and you know that's important, how are you going to actually get your message out there? And then the kinds of messages and posts that are the best to share. How, to, how do you get video to Instagram? That's a, a big question. You know, if you're on your phone, you can do that easily. But if you already have a video, how do you get it back over there? So we'll talk about some of those tips and tricks on how to post things, how to schedule things, the apps that I like that can help you out. So maybe if you just have one day a month that's rainy, can you sit down and schedule some things out so something is current and new and that you're actually thinking through what you're going to share out there? And what are some of the different platforms that you're going to let folks know about? So for me, where I found most horse people are on Facebook and Instagram. Definitely can't leave out Twitter. Um, Snapchat for the clients that I've had isn't quite as big, but I think you have to find out where are your, your people and then go where the people are. Because I think so much of social media really is social. You need to be able to be where the people are and have them engage with you there and then ask for the actual social interaction in person, get them to the barn, get them doing activities. That's what we actually want this for, right? Like, most of the listeners here, they don't care that they just have so many likes of random things, maybe like the middle schoolers might want to do with it, but they actually want that engagement and want to get people back to, you know, help at a cleanup day or to come to a show or to get volunteers and that kind of thing. So I think you have to ask your people, where are they the most and go with those. So if it's Snapchat, then you need Snapchat. If it's Instagram, you definitely need Instagram. I think Instagram is the big growing one, I think, right now, because so much has been in the news about Facebook. And I think people kind of forget that Facebook owns Instagram, but they're okay with sharing stuff over there. So, you know, use that. Use wherever the the flow of what's going on in the, the larger news is pushing people and make sure that you're there and you're engaging there. So I think Facebook, Instagram for sure. Um, Twitter, and then LinkedIn is not to be left out for sure in the professional circles. I think that's something you can set up really well. And, and Christy, you guys do a great job there on LinkedIn. And not to forget that, but maybe how to automate some of those. I think it feels overwhelming if you feel like you need to do a 100% grade A job at all of them. So pick two that I think are the, the best for your clientele. And then make sure once in a while that you throw something to the others so that you're there, you can get found, especially YouTube. I think people forget about that. They're thinking about posting videos on Facebook and even Instagram, but they forget to make sure that it's on YouTube as well. And YouTube is the number two search engine. So it's even above Facebook of where people go to find out something about a topic. So if you're not on Google, 
and you're not doing ads, you need to be on YouTube because people go there to learn how to do stuff, which CHA is great at doing and having all of those um, how-to tips there and things like that. So, But so Heidi, it's so hard that, to do. It is hard to do all of it because you're still trying to run your business in the meantime, right? Uh, you know, yes. the first thing you're trying to do is run your business, whatever that is. And then you have all of these platforms. And, and let's face it, some get yes. more popular at times than others. And, uh, you know, certainly in our time through all of this, we've seen some growing and, and mm-hmm. some go away. Sure. And, all you, of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, it's hard to keep up with what's hot now, you know, and what's, right. you know, and what's not. That's why I said you need to pick out where are your people find out the audiences that you either want to get to your riding program, to your barn, to whatever you're doing in the horse industry, pick your top two. Cause you're going to pay attention really well. to. How a do couple. you figure that out and though? Then, How do you figure that out? So there's the first fundamental question. Sure. Sure. I think some of it's by age demographics. If you have a younger audience, they're going to be on Instagram and Snapchat. If you have a little bit more mature audience, they're going to be towards Facebook and Twitter. And what I found a lot is that the people that like one of those versus the other are, they're different groups. So you can post something to Facebook and kind of just, you know, suggest or allude to it on Twitter and you're going to hit two different groups. So, and you just ask. And I think that's something people have gotten so overwhelmed with social media is that it's meant to be social. It's meant to be engaging and to accentuate the relationships we already have and connect us to more people that like the same things we do. And I think in a way it's become so overwhelming that we think that social media is out there and I have to do this thing. And that's different than what I'm doing day to day. And what I found is that when it really works well, you're asking people in person, Hey, can you use this hashtag and just put up a poster around your barn that has a hashtag and whatever you want that to be. And ask especially the teenagers and the 20-year-olds to start using that. And then more people find you because of what they're posting. You're asking those, those people that are already there at your barn to use that. And they become your influencers. They become your, you know, what other people, other companies are paying for these paid sponsorships. The people to endorse their products. Well, just put up a hashtag and start using what you have. And then get online and find out well, where is that hashtag showing up. Where where did that work? So I need to do more there to get those people even more engaged. Well, and Heidi, I'll tell you, I completely appreciate you complimenting CHA on stuff. But every time we talk about social media, I feel guilty. Like, oh, I could be doing so much <laughs> more. <laughs> so and my problem is when I put together this conference, you know, it's my job to put together all these speakers. I want to see all of you. And then I run around like a chicken with my head cut off, making sure your AV works and all those kinds of other things that happen. (laughs) And so I never get to. So uh, because I know the speaker personally, I'm assuming that I'll get some notes from you afterwards, wink, wink, and some tips afterwards, (laughs) wink, wink, so that I could do some of the stuff. Because you mentioned Instagram, and that is one that, you know, we're just beginning, but boy, we could do so much more. We link them, but right. I know you're and not supposed to do that, but that's what we do just to get something up there. We li- Because I'm really a Facebook and a YouTube person. That's kind of my passion. So because that's mm-hmm. my passion, that's where I tend to post. And that's not really mm-hmm. the right Exactly, I should be posting based on our audience, not on what I like. Right. And that, that is switching a bit. Instagram, thankfully, is opening it up a little bit so that you can use the schedulers to help you do that. 
um, and to post especially video and to do it from your computer because Instagram was so linked to your phone for so long. It was just people just put it off because it seemed like you had to do extra steps or you had to, if you're sitting down at your computer and, and a lot of Facebook stuff is easier to do if you're at a desk. You have more features, you have more things you can do and just copy and paste. And so Instagram, wait, I have to go work from my phone now too. Like that, that was a tricky thing. So that's changed. And I think that makes it a lot easier for people to, to do. So we're going to talk about, you know, using Hootsuite, using some of these other programs that help you to be everywhere at once without having to actually log into every account all the time. And that's great for some things. And it's terrible for others. You know, it's funny because Hootsuite and Facebook don't like each other at all. If you're going to schedule something, you need to post straight to Facebook and schedule straight from Facebook. But Instagram and using Hootsuite, that is awesome. That allows you to post things from your computer. It just sends it to your phone when it's time to, to send it up. You hit a button on your phone. <laughs> Excuse me. And there you go. It's, it's done for you without having to log in somewhere different. So, so there are some tricks and strategies to be able to do it all. I start to talk here. I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm making it overwhelming, too. But, but I want people to know, you know, you can do this. You can do it well. And some of it's not hard, like literally putting that poster around your barn, picking what hashtag you want to be using and making sure people know what your at sign is. And you can do a lot in person and help what you're doing out there. Well, I think it's so important and I'm so excited that you're sharing this. Um, and I know that there's just so many different ways to do it and that I love the part when you wanted your title to say, for those that are short on time, quick ways to do this. I said, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'll be very, very helpful because, you know, you could go on and on and on. Like we, we created a blog and the blog is great because then when we do have that content, we can post it everywhere, mm -hmm. but then it takes all that time to write that blog. Right. So finding right. other ways to do things. And like you said, it's not new information it's content when you're out in the barn already doing it just take some photos and post them exactly yeah yeah video take video and make sure it's horizontal please people no more holding your phone upright your your phone should look like a movie screen <laughs> not like the tall like a man right <laughs> yeah but i kind of blame i kind of blame periscope and facebook live for that at the beginning because you had to hold your phone up and down it's Screws. They changed the format. That was so strange. I remember the first one I did, I was like, wait, it's supposed to be this way. And then the person was sideways. Like, what's going on? Yeah, they, but yeah. they fixed that, and, I think, since then. So, uh, yeah. And Instagram cropping it into a square for you anyway. But, but if you have a, a good rectangle, you can crop it down the way you need it. And in case you catch any like amazing footage that could be sent to the broadcast news station, you look like you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. <laughs> but that is, that, and that's really a good tip, Christy, is you're already doing these things. It's just, and ask somebody that's right there, hey, I'm going to tighten up this cinch in increments, and could you just hold the camera right here so that I can show that. And you can add the sound back later or take the sound out or put a caption with it up on Facebook later and not have any, have to worry about that. You don't have to be shown. I think that's something I've seen clients really worried about. Don't show me yourself. If you're not dressed right, you think you can't do a video, but aim it at the saddle, aim it at your horse, show what, you know, funny whiskers look like or how much you like to trim ears or not trim ears. You know, don't, don't just take yourself out of it if that's what 
worries you and, and do what you can and get those little clips. And they don't need to be long. You know, they can be that 15 seconds. Matter of fact, I would rather, in most cases, not see you. Uh, to be honest, because we, yeah. you know, I've been following a bunch of hikers who hike the Appalachian Trail, and all they show is themselves. And I'm like, uh, I want to see what you're seeing. I don't, you know, I, yeah, yeah, show show you for about two seconds, but then I want to see everything. I want to see what you're seeing while you're walking and talking. Um, and riders right. have a tendency to do that too. It's like, now show me the between the ears shot. That's the one everybody wants to see. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or for these riding instructors, it's the little tips. It's the things you don't it's, you don't even know that you do differently or you do in a CHA-approved way, which, Christy, my friends and I, we throw that term around all the way. Is that CHA-approved? <laughs> yeah, think about Thank that. You. What are the <laughs> Yes. Um, but what are the things you do, whether it's, you know, how you throw the saddle up or making sure where you slide the saddle back on the horse's back, you know, all the things, if you just sat down and made yourself a quick list, of what do you see amateurs or new students start to do wrong? And what do you find that you have to say all the time? That's your list of the first five videos that you put up on social media. And they're just short things, right? Like don't crank the cinch up <laughs> all at once and give the horse a couple seconds to, to breathe it in and adjust and get it set right. Or maybe it's that you, you know, check the cinch again. I don't know why I'm stuck on the cinch today, but before you try, you know, so those are the ideas that you can come up with. It's what you say all the time anyway. Well, heck, wouldn't it be awesome if you could put that on social media so all your riders already knew that stuff and maybe you could teach and something could come out of your mouth that is new and fresh and you don't have to repeat the old stuff anymore. So, so <laughs> I think, you know, think of using social media to enhance what you're already doing, not that it's something on its own that you have to master and do as well. Well, Heidi, we are so excited to have you come to the event. I cannot wait. But meanwhile, for the people that cannot come to um, Colorado in September and join us, even though everyone is invited, but for those who can't, who still yes. want to find out more about you and your company, what is the best way to do that? How can they track you down? Sure. Um, well, if you go to my Instagram account, my website is there, so you don't have to know how to type it in. So it's at the top of my description there. And my Instagram is my name, or it's whole picture, I'm sorry, whole picture dot Heidi Malaco. You'll find that, and then you'll see the link to my website at the top, site at the top, and that's, it's just whole-picture.com. Um, and then on Facebook, my business page is the at sign whole pick, so W-H-O-L-E-P-I-C. We'll get you to that and all the projects I've been working on, and we try to post things for clients and post some tips now and then, and just kind of what we're doing and and kind of show off what's good to do and what might help you too. Well, awesome. Thank you again. And I am so excited to be able to hang out with you and see you in a few months when you're at conference. I know. I am so glad it's it's close to home. This will be an easy one for me. So thank you for the, the easy drive. And that'll be awesome to be up at, at CSU. Thanks, Heidi. We'll talk Thanks, soon. Thanks, Heidi. Okay. Bye, Glenn. Bye, Christy. And if you want to catch all of her tips, as I said, that she did on trail riding and uh, packing out and things, you can go to horsetipdaily.com. And just uh, if you go to the tags and choose trail riding, it'll bring up all of the tips that we've done through the years on trail riding, but it'll also have all of hers in there. And it literally, uh, I just checked, was nine years ago that we did those with her.
That's awesome. So it's been a well, while. It's good to have her back. That's all right. <laughs> and we met her because Julie was Julie Goodnight was one of our first guests ever ten years ago, uh, and that's how we met Heidi. So yep. small world. Small world we live in. Yeah. Well, we're excited about our next guest. Um, Laura Hamron has started riding at the age of three and actually competing by five. And then she continued in eventing and dressage. She went on to attend and graduate from Morven Park International Equestrian Institute. And then she managed her family's horse farm in North Georgia. And she had the opportunity to work with special needs and fell in love with the therapeutic riding industry. She received her PATH instructor certification in 2007. And then she's also certified with us, not only in our standard English Western program, but also in our Riders with Disabilities program. And she's clinic staff for us. So right now she's the equine director at Victory Therapy Center. Hi, Laura. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Good morning, Christy. How are you doing? Doing fine. So could you tell Glenn um, a little bit about exactly where you live, where Victory is located? Victory is located uh, north of Fort Worth, Texas. We are in Roanoke, Texas uh, on 27 acres. We currently have 23 horses on property and approximately 110 clients that we see a week. Oh, wow. Guys are busy. I love it. And you have kind of a variety of breeds, don't you? All different types. Yes, we do. Um, all different types of horses. We've got little Welsh ponies up to uh, Clydesdale. Uh, we take in quarter horses, thoroughbreds. Uh, we currently have a Shire thoroughbred cross that just entered our program um, who is going to make a really nice therapy horse. And he's not as big as you would think either. So. Well, I'll tell you what we're excited about. With this conference, for those of you that just joined us, anyone can come. It's in September, and it's at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, the last weekend in September. But what we're excited about is that it's not just lecture-based. Obviously, the one that Heidi, who was our guest that was just on, she'll be doing a PowerPoint, and obviously hers will be lecture-based. But Laura, you're going to be in the arena with riders up, and anybody listening can ride with you um, on great CSU school horses. So you want to go ahead and tell everyone what you're going to be teaching about? Yes, ma'am. I'm going to be teaching on yielding the haunches and the shoulder, uh, breaking the skill down step-by-step for the beginner and the advanced rider who is training and working with young horses. Um, I found that working in a therapeutic riding industry, you tend to have to take an easy a task that we might look at as, oh, just look over your shoulder and bring the horse around. You have to break it down step by step, how to actually bring the rein out to the side. When, when do you use the open leading rein? When do you use a direct rein or an indirect rein? And then adding that in with your seat and your leg and your position. Um, and so we've just broken it down for the rider. And then sometimes as an advanced rider, we may have a horse that we get stuck with. And so we need to step back and break it down back to the basics and how to get the horse to bring its shoulder across or step its haunches around. And then just making it, in, you know, one of the things that we call it for our riders here isn't just um, yielding the haunches. We may refer to it as hide the hiney, you know, just asking the horse to step its back and over just a couple of steps so that it's standing straight when you're in lining up at a horse show. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll walk up, the horse is standing crooked, and all you want is just that one little extra step to move the shoulder over or move the hip over so that you're standing in that straight line. Um, 
you know, or yielding it when you're standing there uh, in a group with other riders uh, and just breaking it down to the basics. I love hide the hiney. That cracks me up. I'm going to yes. use that. That's really good. because I actually think uh-huh. I, I stole that from Charla's story. She, she started teaching it up there as hide the hiney. I'm like, I'm going to take that one from her. <laughs> That's, that's really good. Well, and what people don't realize is it's not just go in a straight line all the time when you ride. And, you know, you, you mentioned all those different rain aids and that's what people just kind of go, huh, there's a difference between instructing and coaching. And I think when we get to that level, yeah. you know, people that say horseback riding isn't a sport, I just start laughing because, you know, as instructors, we can be teaching the recreational or we can be teaching the club and the really advanced, right? Depending on kind of where we're at and all those different rain aids, boy, when you really get started using them, it's amazing what your horse will do. Exactly. Yes. And, and we found it, you know, I, I have to, you know, open your rein for the basic rider, you know, bring your hand out to the side yet for the advanced rider, you can go, you need an open leading rein. You need to bring the horse through. So you have to find the basic words for some of those riders. And sometimes even our advanced riders, we get so into our head and thinking about the upper level movements that we're doing. And we just need to be reminded that basic word sometimes to be able to um, move the horse's shoulder out on a circle or bringing your rein through when you're doing a canter pirouette just to open and lead that horse around through the turn. Yet still have that offside supporting rein. You know, for the basic riders, I tell them, that's the low rein if the horse is going too fast. But for that advanced rider, you're going, you need to use that direct rein to slow the, to slow the turn so the horse doesn't fall out of the camera pirouette. You know? And so it's being able to balance those rein aids along with the seat aid and the leg aid and exactly how do we get back into those positions to get the horse in the movement we want them in. And what I love about these mounted sessions at our conference, you know, so many conferences are all hotel-based. And this one, like I said, participants get to ride. We normally have four riders up with every speaker who's in an arena. But what's interesting about it is that it's not a riding lesson. So Laura is not going to be just coaching these four riders. She's going to be talking to the audience of maybe the hundred that she has in her breakout session. And meanwhile, the riders are the props. So the riders get to be asked to do some things like maybe role play, right? Role play incorrect so that I can show this to the audience. Do this, do that. So it's it's really exciting um, to be able to have a conference where we get the kinesthetic learner doesn't just have to sit there and be visual and auditory. They can actually go out and try it and do it. And I think that that's super. So we're thrilled that you're going to be able to be there and uh, help in that way. That's going to be awesome. So I have a question. Thank you you. very much. What other conferences have you been to of ours? Um, I went to some regionals and things like that, haven't you? Yes, I've been teaching at the regional conferences. Uh, the last regional conference, Region 8 conference, we hosted here at Victory Therapy Center. Um, we are currently looking for a location for next year. Um, Victory is in the running for potentially being the center, but there are other centers in the area. Region 8 likes to move around. We'd like to get in different states and get into different areas. Um, and different centers because it's fun to not just go to the same center every time. Um, I've also been to the PATH International Conference and Regional Conference. I've not spoken at either one of those at this point, but um, 
have spoken at the regional conferences here in C- with CHA. Now you get to come to the international one, so that'll be awesome to have you. I know. I'm really excited. I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak at the international conference. So for those listening that can't take the time out to come to the international or it isn't near you, um, do get on our website, uh, cha.horse, and check out the regional conferences. Um, Quite a few of them have already happened for this year because they tend to happen in the spring before people's busy summers start. But do check them out because they're all over the country and there might be one near you that you can go. And again, almost all of our regional conferences include an opportunity to ride. So and you don't have to bring your own horse. So that's that's a kind of a fun thing for folks. So, Laura, um, can you go ahead and let people know how to find you and how to find out more about what you do there at Victory? Yes, ma'am. Um, our website is victorytherapy.org. Um, my email address is laura at victorytherapy.org. And you can also reach me at heartspire1 at gmail.com. That's my personal email address. Um, And then our phone number here at Victory Therapy Center is 682-831-1323. And you can also find me on Facebook, and it's Laura Hamrin, L-A-U-R-A-H-A-M-R-I-N. You'll see a picture of uh, myself and my daughter on our horse, Godiva. Uh, That'll give you a clue of how to find us on Facebook. And uh, Victory Therapy Center also has a Facebook page. And do people, um, do you need any help right now? Like, do you need any volunteers and things like that for people that might live um, in the Fort Worth area? Oh, my goodness. Yes, we are always looking for good volunteers. Um, We also like to find out whatever path instructors are out there that might be interested in coming and taking a look at our facilities, too, uh, or CHA instructors that have their IRDs. Uh, um, But we're always looking for for volunteers. The other thing that we're always looking for are courses that are potentially good for the therapy center. I'm always in need of a good therapy horse. Yes. Yeah, so if anyone has and one out there, me- donate. Yes. That's wonderful. Yes. You can, anybody out there that has a therapy horse that they're interested in donating or a horse they think might make a great therapy horse, uh, they can always text me at 817 448 3151. That is probably the easiest way to reach me or through my email address again at laura.victorytherapycenter.org. Um, the horses do not have to be located here in Texas. That is a little bit easier to deal with. But if somebody has a therapy horse out there um, or a horse they think might would make a good therapy horse that they'd like to donate into the program, um, we're willing to look outside of Texas too. Well, Laura, thank you so much for being on the show today. We're so excited to have you come and uh, talk about yielding the haunches and the shoulders at our conference. And that kind of shows for those that are listening, we get very detailed in some of these talks, um, which is which is really good. And we're able to really get down into the nitty gritty. And I love that you're going to be doing it for the beginner rider all the way up to somebody who's been riding for a long time. So thank you, Laura. And we will see you in Colorado in September. Thank you very much, Christy. You guys have a blessed day. Bye-bye. Hey, where can people go to find out about the conference? They just go to your website, right? Yeah, they can go to um, cha.horse, and then when they get...
place and they click on there and the schedule's up. It already shows that I say it's tentative because, you know, people can get sick. Stuff can happen. But as of right now, we've got a Dr. Temple Grandin for those uh, oh, speaking yeah. of uh, the EAAT world. Um, she is going to be our keynote speaker at our banquet. And, of course, our spokesperson, Julie Goodnight, she always comes and is wonderful and always does the mounted session and some other things, too, for us. So we're thrilled to have her. But, yeah, we have over 50 speakers at the event, 50 hmm. presentations. Wow. So it's a it's a big deal. It's it's a fun one. Well, you guys were there. You yeah. know, Jen sat in the stands all day long and enjoyed it. So there's there's a lot to do. Very good. Well, let's take a break for a song, and then we're coming back with two more guests yet. So we'll be back with that. First, we have to hear from Lexi Larson doing a song called Good Memories. We'll be right back. Lexi Larson. You can find all of her music at LexiLarson.com. And yes, she's a horse girl. And we, you are listening to the Certified Horsemanship Association episode here on Horses in the Morning. I have Christy here with me today, and we have a pile of guests for you today. Uh, and with their all referencing the conference that's coming up, and that will be in September right after the WEG. 
It will be. So, you know, those of you going to WEG, then you can go east of the Mississippi first, and then you can come out west of the Mississippi River and come to Colorado and see us. It'll just be a traveling September. So excited to have Kathy Jogan on next. Kathy is a longtime equine industry professional who has managed, trained, and shown various horse breeds representing multiple disciplines. Currently, she's on the faculty at the University of Arkansas. Kathy offers courses in equine science and engages students in internships in the U.S. and abroad. She has directed many fundraising and experiential events to promote her university's animal science department. Kathy is a member of the Equine Science Society, the American Registry of Professional Animal Scientists, the North American Colleges and Teachers of Agriculture, and she sits on our Certified Horsemanship Association Board of Directors. Hello, Ms. Kathy. How are you? Hey, good morning, Christy. How are you today? Doing well. So good to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. So please tell Glenn and I a little bit about what's going on in Arkansas. Where, um, how's the weather right now? What are you near? Has the university ended for the semester? What's all going on out there? Okay. Well, first of all, I, I am in Fayetteville, Arkansas, at the University of Arkansas, and we're at the northwest corner of the state. Today, it's rainy. Um, and it, I don't know if the rest of the country has been like this or not, but we've gone from um, winter to summer. I, we haven't had much spring at all. So, so yesterday, it was almost 90 degrees here, which is a little bit warm. Um, Fayetteville is located in the Ozark Mountains. And it's a really, really pretty town with four seasons. Um, we've been rated three years in a row now uh, by U.S. News and World Report as one of the top five places in the U.S. to live. A lot of agriculture in our area, but I think uh, in part because of the college, we have uh, like a first-class performing arts center. We have a lot of parks um, for outdoor activities. We have uh, Crystal Bridges, which is a world-class display of American art museum and a lot of other things going here. Well, I'll tell you, I need uh, right to now, out there. I don't have very many <laughs> states on my list that I haven't been and yours is one of them. I've never been. So it, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a well-kept secret. Um, not so much anymore, but it's a really pretty part of the country. It reminds me a lot because of the, the Ozarks, uh, rolling hills and whatnot. It reminds me of the, topography of Pennsylvania a lot. So it's it's very green and very nice here. Are we catching you at the, the university end of your semester? Yes, uh, we had a commencement on, on um, Saturday. So it is the end of the semester. The university has about 28, 27, 28,000 students enrolled. There's um, over 200 different academic um, programs, and we're in the SEC conference, and we're home of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Go Hogs! Woohoo! <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, um, Kathy, we had um, two other guests on so far that are also going to be speaking at the conference. And what's fun is we're kind of going from lecture base to those that are teaching the writing and back and forth. And Kathy, um, she was at our international conference last year, so she can talk a little bit about that too. But let's start with the topic you're doing, I absolutely love the title. So her title of her talk is Flip or Flop, Equine Safety Meets Barn Design. Tell us a little bit about it. So I guess to start out with, um, 
you should probably know that, or your listeners should know that I've been a, a barn design consultant for many years, and I've done everything from working with world-class architects to design multi-million dollar horse-safe barns, um, all the way to retrofitting old barns. And, and once I even retrofitted a chicken house to make it a horse-safe barn, so <laughs> kind of all over the map there. Um People who attend this session are going to learn um, different tips and tricks to make their own barns um, safe for their horses and safe for themselves. And they'll also learn things that if they're thinking about building a new barn that they could possibly include that won't cost a lot of money and it will make their facility safe. Some of the things that I'll go over are labor efficiency, how to make things as efficient as you can, um, uh, how to design the, the perfect wash rack on a budget, um, why you should consider adding uh, anti-cast strips to the stalls if you're doing some retrofitting, different things that you can do for effective ventilation, depending upon the t- part of the country that you're in, different inexpensive lighting upgrades um, that you can do. Um, strategies for manure removal, uh, bedding and hay storage, uh, why you should consider different types of flooring to use in a barn. And then I'm going to go a little bit into how the right design can help make your horse paddocks and pastures extra safe for your equine friends. You know, I love that because you're not going to be talking just about stalls. You're also going to be talking about paddocks and pastures. So basically, any way that you house a horse and the way to do that safely and effectively, I think that's great. Well, I I, I hope I, I've I've done this. Um, I've talked about this in some of my classes, and and um, it it always amazes me how people will come back. You know, even after the fact and say, oh, we, you know, we implemented this. It didn't cost anything. And we noticed a big improvement with our horses and the the safety. So I'm happy for that. So for some people that are not going to be able to come out to our event, can you give us some of those um, tips now and some cost saving things that you found that are very helpful? Well, one thing that people could do with lighting, a, a lot of people don't think about this, but uh, if you have an exposed light bulb anywhere uh, that a horse could reach or even if he were to rear up and hit somehow that could shatter, that could be a real problem. There is, um, you can get covers for lights. You can also buy, um, and they're not very expensive, shatterproof light bulbs. So, you know, the, although the light bulb would break, there's like a film over it that keeps all those shards of glass in one place. I I didn't know about this. Most of the things I've learned in the horse business, it's because I've made a big mistake and I've had to learn to correct it. And I think a lot of us are like that kind of trial by and error. But I learned about those because I had I was um, unloading a load of hay, uh, square bailed hay in the hay barn one time, and I had a light bulb up high without a protective cover. I didn't think I needed it. It was in a hay barn. Horse wasn't going to get in there. And one of my um, helpers broke that light bulb. So then I had glass shards all over hay and you, you can't feed, you can't, couldn't feed it to a horse. So I had to get rid of a lot of really good hay because of the glass shards. So that's what led me to uh, find out about those shatterproof bulbs. So that's one tip that I think people, you know, could um, easily take home and, uh, and use. 
Another I, thing that, um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think you're absolutely right that that is, you don't know what you don't know until something happens and then you go, oh boy. And then you go ahead and uh, make sure that it's part of what you're going to teach future people that you come across. I think that is the horse industry for sure. (laughs) Um, Things that we'll go over are um, how wide an alley should be and, and what kind of things you can do to keep your alley clear. Because even though people many times have wide enough alleys in their barn, they wind up um, storing things that could be detrimental to a horse in the alley, like pitchforks, for example, or uh, saddle saddles or whatever to to make that alley uh, width a lot smaller than what it should be for uh, safe horse handling. So things like that uh, we'll be able to go over. Anti-cast strips. Um, I remember I first saw anti-cast strips in, in Lexington, Kentucky, and those are. It's basically a way that if a horse um, rolls into the wall of a stall, that they have a toe grip of some sort that they can flip themselves back over, so they're not on their back uh, for any length of time. And I've seen advertised in magazines that you can buy anti-cast strips for hundreds of dollars to then put in your stalls, but actually all it is is a piece of wood and you can can buy some uh, uh, like two by two wood and put it at the right height and then you have your your inexpensive anti-cast strips and that's going to help your horse in the long run should they ever roll and uh, consequently get stuck on the wall. I love tips like that. Every now and then, good old carabiners and, um, oh, hay baling twine and things like that could work for things that (laughs) otherwise would cost quite a bit of money. You know, you can find, like you said, just a simple piece of wood, cut it where you need to cut it, and then have that be useful. So I think that's great. Exactly. So, Kathy, because you've come before to our international conference, um, can you share with listeners some of the reasons why they might even want to bother spending the money to attend? Well, I can tell you that in my career, I've been to many equine conferences and symposiums and expos, not only in this country, but throughout the world. And I feel like this conference is so unique And one of the reasons is that it's so very inclusive. Um, There's many reasons that horse people should uh, consider attending. And I think that if you're anyway involved with the horse industry, the the people you'll find at CHA are so helpful. And they're all dedicated to the progress of students and the safety of horses and humans. Again, CHA in this conference, they're not discipline exclusive. So it doesn't matter if you're a beginning or an advanced rider, if you're a barn manager, if you're a beginning barn manager, you've been doing it for decades, if you're a riding instructor, or even if you're just a parent of a horse crazy child, you're going to find something that uh, is going to speak to you specifically. Um, Riding instructors will learn new techniques while watching master level certified instructors teach lessons. Uh, Riders can watch these lessons or riders can sign up to learn new skills on well-trained school horses during mounted workshops. I've never seen anything quite like that um, offered in 
in conferences, and typically they ask you to bring your own horses and that's it, but they don't offer well-trained school horses for you to participate in workshops. Um, you'll be able to, if you attend, you're going to have the opportunity to learn from top veterinarians, equine veterinarians and equine trainers. And this year we have um, Dr. Temple Grandin is the keynote and really watching her and listening to her speak is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, people will learn business tips, horse behavior, um, and uh, safety for themselves and for their, their equine partners. Thank you, Kathy. I appreciate that. Um, I That's really fun for folks. And you don't have to come for the whole thing. You can come for just one day. We do have day rate that will include your lunch. Um, so you can look at our schedule on, again, it's CHA.horse. And you can say, you know, I really want to come for just this one day. It seems like it has most of the speakers I want. So you can certainly do things like that as well. So um, if I can, Kathy, go ahead and kind of let us know how people can find you if they're not going to be able to attend in September, but they'd really love to know more about your topic. What are some great ways that our listeners can find you? Well, they can contact me uh, from my through the University of Arkansas at my at the um, uh, web at my email address there or through the CHA website. And if anybody has any questions, I would be very happy to to answer them or just give you. Um, any expertise that I have, I'll share any expertise I have on this. I'm, I'm passionate about um, horse safety and trying to uh, make things work. Well, and for those of you that are listening that come to conferences for the food, like I like to do, I don't know, Kathy, but I think we put on a pretty good spread. We have normally oh, um, <laughs> full food that is catered. It's not box lunches and pizza. It's like a full taco bar or whatever. And this year, what's so special about the food is um, CSU actually has a slaughterhouse on campus and they actually raise their own beef, raise their own uh, pigs, raise their own sheep, and they're going to be doing a full-blown barbecue for us on one of the days and I've had their meat before these young people can cook and it's going to be oh. a full barbecue with lamb and pork and beef so okay, oh only my. in Colorado or Texas are you going to hear they have a full slaughterhouse on campus they do <laughs> they do That's the only two the states I can deal. think of. maybe Oklahoma maybe <laughs> 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 it's the real deal, but boy, is the food good. I mean, you know, lamb is one of those things where unless you put a lot of mint sauce on it, I'm not really for it, but oh, they can cook lamb. It is not gamey. Oh my gosh, they do a great job. <laughs> Very good. No, you're absolutely right. The food has always been phenomenal and I can't wait. I can't wait to have the barbecue this year. That sounds amazing. Yes, it'll be so much fun to have all the students there to um, guide us. We're going to do a full tour of the university so people can see it. And they have an equine reproduction lab. They have all kinds of things there. So it'll be really fun to take the tour. So, well, we so appreciate you being on today, Kathy. Thank you so much for being on the call. And I look forward to seeing you in just a few months. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I'll, I'll see you in September. Sounds good. Thanks, okay, Kathy. Bye. Thank you. They really have a slaughterhouse on campus. They do. Do they have a butcher, and it's just do recent. They have a butcher uh, curriculum? 
Yes, they do. They actually have a whole curriculum on that and how to be a part of that industry and what to do and um, how it's all done humanely for the animals. Well, Dr. Temple Grandin, right? That's one of the reasons why she's become so successful is she's made it very humane for the cattle industry for them to be going through the plant and not have all of these um, frights along the way. So she actually gets down on all fours and goes through the plant and says, oh, there's a bright light right there and the cattle aren't going to like that. And all the guys go, she's right. That's exactly where all the cattle stop. And then she'll go a little further and she'll go, this floor, it's too slick. You've got to get something down that's not so slick. They're not going to want to go over this floor. And again, they all go, she's right. The cattle always stop there too. So she's made it just a very... um you know, being such a visual person and using her autism to her advantage, it's been pretty amazing what she's done. And for those of you that have never seen the movie where Claire Dane plays uh, Dr. Grandin, it's a pretty awesome movie. And it's just called Temple Grandin. And it's a great movie. It was an HBO special. And uh, I highly recommend it. And she's, she's a good speaker. If you've never seen her speak before, she's a really good speaker. She is. And for those that just want to come to her, she's going to be on our Sunday night, the 30th at the banquet. And you can buy a ticket just for the banquet that's going to be at the Hilton Hotel, which is our host hotel near um, CSU. And you can come just for that if you don't want to come to anything else. That's also available. Very good. So our next guest, I'm excited to introduce Miss Karen Burbank. Um, Karen was born and raised in Massachusetts, but now she lives in Colorado. She grew up schooling in dressage, jumping, and competitive trail. She eventually got her equine science degree from Colorado State University. So she's going back to her alumni to be able to do her talk this year. Um, she became involved with CHA first by attending one of our combined uh, trail and arena clinics, and then she got her master instructor certification. She's been a speaker for both our regional and international conferences in the past. She's managed two dressage facilities in the past. She's also taught countless lessons to aspiring equestrians. Most recently, though, for the past seven years, she's been the head instructor, lesson program coordinator, and dude ranch vacation specialist for Sylvandale Guest Ranch, which is located in Loveland, which is right by Colorado State University. So hello, Karen. How are you? Good morning, Christy. I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you? Good. So fun to have you on the show. So tell us a little bit more about your adventures at CSU since you were an alum. Gosh, well, uh, being so close to CSU, I try to get up there uh, for various events. Um, I used to play polo for for the university, and so I like to go up and support the current students and um, <clears throat> and and try to be involved that way also. And uh, and then we here at the ranch host multiple guests and students from the university and their departments. So, Karen, tell us a little bit more about Sylvandale Guest Ranch and what all, who all you cater to there. Yes. So, Sylvandale has been around since 1946. So, this is our 72nd year in the saddle. And we do host dude ranch vacations, as you would imagine uh, a guest ranch would. But that's only a small portion of what we do. Uh, we offer riding lessons, uh, year-round trail riding, as well as business retreats, um, and also weddings. Uh, they're quite popular between the peak seasons. And hosting fundraisers, we're also in cahoots with the Heart J 
Center for Experiential Learning, which is a nonprofit that utilizes Sylvandale and their lands to accommodate various groups, including songwriting with soldiers, which uh, we're coming into a, a, our second year do, hosting that event. I think that's so unique. And I'll tell you, I got to be there. I think we conducted a clinic there um, a while back, and it was wonderful. You had wonderful horses and tack, and the trails were beautiful. Yes, and you had the opportunity to experience the overnight pack trip, which not everyone does. Yes, and I like that very much. It was fun to be able to go out and do that. I don't get to do that very often. I'm much more of an arena girl, so when I get an opportunity to trail ride more than just an hour, it's a big deal. So that was awesome. Yes, and that's that's the nice thing about having over 3,000 acres of land is you can practice your skills in the arena and then apply them out on the trail. Well, and speaking of that, you know, the topic that you're doing at conference, oh, I think this is one of the most challenging things we do as equine professionals that are either running dude ranches, running day ride trail guide operations, or running arenas, is horse rider combo. Tell us a little bit more about your topic. Yes, uh, what I like to call the art of assigning mounts. Uh, for a large group riding program, as, as we are, because we focus on a lot of different groups. So we could have a Girl Scout troop of 14 to 20 uh, or our ranch vacation guests, uh, which in we host up to 35 to 40 guests for a week at a time. And, uh, and so our, our herd, we focus on breeding them and training them here. Uh, we do have some horses uh, that we have purchased over the years. But it's very important to not only know your horses, but get a good feel for your riders. Uh, and that includes, you know, height, weight, experience. Um, and what we found helps us is fielding the riders prior to their arrival so that we can have a good idea after having multiple conversations with them over the phone um, so that we can help make sure that we assign an appropriate mount for their stay in hopes that they will stay with the assigned horse for the week, and those that come in for a, a day visit. Um, it's also quite important that we have the right fit for them, um, knowing what their goals are. Maybe they're just coming for a one-hour ride, and uh, they'll return next year. But some of our riders stay with us for six nights, and we want to make sure that we give them the best experience possible, which translates to a good experience for the horse also. Uh, and happy horses equal happy riders, and it goes both ways. So I'm curious, considering most people think they're an experienced rider when they've gone on one trail ride, what are some of your questions that you ask in order to glean more information? That is a very good question. We have a profile um, that we put out that starts with the basics, um, and then, you know, we ask basically, what is your riding experience, and what are your goals for this visit? And honestly, after speaking with them over the phone, like I said, multiple times, and then once you meet with the person, uh, you can get a better feel. Uh, you know, I'm sure you understand working in the industry, often you can look someone up and down and know whether or not they're really stating the truth, um, you know. What, do they have brand new pair of Wranglers and a brand new pair of boots and a brand new hat? And they say they've, you know, ridden their whole life. But then you dig a little deeper and find out what type of riding have they done. And, um, and so 
Where's you know, the front of the horse? For us, it's important which to have one's the, the front? What's that? And which one's the front yeah, of the horse? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, you know, it, that's why I refer to it as an art. Um, you just get a really good feel for the person, and, and then knowing your horses is essential uh, to making that proper fit. Um, and sometimes you meet someone and realize, oh, I don't know that that's going to be the right fit. Now that I've met you, I've had a chance to talk with you and get a feel for your personality, um, and you'll do a switch before they even head down to the barn. So, Right, and they have no idea that you've done that, so it all works out just fine. That's correct. They don't have <laughs> an idea yet. <laughs> so and then I bet- there are people that are specific with, I want a mare or I want a gelding, which brings another challenge uh, if they really are that particular in what type they ride. And do you have a variety of breeds and heights and sizes and all kinds of things? Most of our horses are ranch-raised American quarter horses, but based on bloodlines, they themselves vary in size and ability and, of course, personality. Uh, We do have a few horses in the herd that are mixed breed, uh, but mostly dominantly quarter horse. And do you do an evaluation ride like in the arena before they go out on trail? We do. Absolutely. Uh, we, we set them up for an assessment and make sure that everything is working well, get their stirrups set, uh, make sure they get along with their horse, and then, yes, assess their skills in the arena before going out on the trail to make sure that they're comments that they've given us prior really jive with their actions. And do you have a variety of levels of riders that come from beginner all the way to truly advanced? Absolutely. Uh, At the end of the year, I I do a report and uh, most of our guests, because they're looking for that city slicker experience, um, are novice riders. I would say about 75% of our guests are novice, complete novice. Um, But then during our cowgirl roundup, which is a ladies-only getaway, and our adult-only weeks, we tend to draw more experienced riders, which is, it's kind of a nice change from our city slicker weeks, uh, because you actually have riders that own horses or are professionals within the industry, and they're just looking to get out and ride the trails in Colorado and uh, have someone cater to them and saddle their horse, and, uh, and it's, it's a grand vacation for them. I love that you get both. What kind of um, wildlife do you guys see when you're out on trail sometime? Well, the typical mule deer are native to the area. Occasionally, we'll see a whitetail here and there, but we have a resident herd of bighorn sheep, which is nice because I hear a lot of people go all over Colorado, they may even be natives and they rarely see them uh, as they tend to be up in the rocks or, um, you know, out in in the backwoods. And we have a little herd of about 16, or flock I should say, uh, that come down the hill to graze on our pastures. And they actually graze out with the horse herd. And and so that's just great. We also have black bear that... uh, our residents in the area, they pretty much stay away from the main ranch up until the end of the season when they're trying to 
snack up for the winter incoming. We have apple trees on ranch, so uh, sometimes they come down in the late evening. And uh, there are mountain lions and bobcats and elk. Um, Luckily, the elk tend to stay on the other side of the ranch uh, so that they're not grazing off all of our pasture because they come in herds of somewhere two to three hundred sometimes. Um, And the mountain lions stay to themselves. We only see them on the wildlife cameras. I love that. So for those that want to go and see wildlife, there's a lot of that there too. So, well, Karen, we're thrilled that you're going to be able to come to our conference this year and be able to speak on this topic. Um, I, it's a very, uh, like I said, I think one of the scariest things we do as instructors, whether it's trail riding or arena, is horse rider combo when you don't know the person, you know, really making sure that that's going to fit for them. And it's going to be, like you said, good for them as well as for the horse. Um, happy horse equals happy rider, like you said. And so it's good going both ways. So for those that can't come in September to our actual conference, what are some ways to find Sylvandale and find you? For those that can't come to the conference, uh, gosh, well, Sylvandale, of course, we have our our website at sylvandale.com, and we are present on social media, Facebook, Instagram are our our biggest hits, and... um, and then we do have, you know, a LinkedIn account. And, uh, but most, most folks find us through uh, a web search for Sylvandale and then see us through social media outlets. Um, our presence isn't as big on Twitter and, uh, and some others, but uh, we do stay pretty prominent on Facebook and Instagram. And, um, you know, one of our mottos is to unplug. And so we kind of live that unplug and, and, uh, and, are not as social media <laughs> driven some days because we're enjoying the trail and the wildlife and the land. So, um, but we are out there. Well, good. Well, we're so happy that you're going to be at our event this year, Karen. Thank you so much. And I uh, look forward to seeing you in just a few months. And, and I look forward to seeing you too and uh, being involved with another international conference. This will be great. Yes, I'm so glad. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, there you go. I see a Horse Radio Network meetup in the offing. Yes, please. <laughs> Jennifer, you ready? Ready to go to Colorado and ride? I'm ready. I'm on the way. It's an awesome <laughs> ranch. You guys would really enjoy it. It is It is really nice. I'll tell you, I have a little bighorn sheep story. So a few years back, um, my friend and I went on a trail ride, and we went to Waterton Canyon, which is the other direction, actually, from where Karen's ranch is. And we went down there, and we go into this kind of um, slot canyon, you call them, where there's the big rocks on either side. And there's three... Um, bighorn sheep kind of up on the hill and the two boys jump down in front of us and the girl is still on top of the hill and they decide right in front of us they're going to go ahead and bang their horns together for the power struggle to see who gets the woman oh and I just looked at my girlfriend and I went I love you and I'm really sorry if today's the last day we're going to see each other because the minute those horns locked and the echoing in that slot canyon was deafening. And I thought, oh my gosh, if it's deafening to our human ears, what are our horses doing? <laughs> I think our horses were in such shock. They just sat there and stared at these sheep like, whoa. And then finally one of them lost and ran away and one of them went up with the girl and life was good. And then the horses finally breathed and we all survived. But oh, <laughs> 
Oh. Sensory overload. <laughs> oh, it was intense, but what an amazing experience. And I think I had literally been here from California at that point in time, three weeks. So I was a little overwhelmed by the whole thing myself. I had never even seen a bighorn sheep, let alone two of them fighting for a woman in front of me while I'm riding a horse. <laughs> Yeah, it must be it must be interesting riding out there because you you have all the elk and you have the moose and I mean you have bears you got a little bit of everything so it's uh, it's got to be interesting in some of the things you see along the way. Well, so, what's so funny is that's backcountry, but if you go close country and you're by the city, then you've got the kids with the strollers right. with the balloons attached to them, and you got the mountain bikers, <laughs> and so your poor horses have to be good at everything. They really do. I talked to Devin Horn the other day, and she just last year or the year before she did the 500 miles of the Colorado Trail horseback with five friends, and um, which is over the mountains and through the woods for sure. And she did not see one bear. She said, "But the horses there, the bears." tended to stay away she yes. said she would see their butts occasionally you know heading the other direction but from a distance and they just didn't they weren't interested she said they saw moose and you know things like that okay. that were a little less afraid of the horses but yeah it was interesting to hear that knowing that you know they're out there and uh but yet with the horses along nobody really wants to mess with them no, they say no thank you, but I'll tell you, if you're riding a good horse that can spot game, oh, it's so much fun. You just follow their ears and go, I never would have seen that, whatever it is, mm. over there in the bush. It's Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Huh. Well, very cool. Now, once again, where can people find out more about the conference? Yes, they can go to cha.horse and click on the International Conference button. And also, for almost all of our guests today, if you want to find them, you can also go to chainstructors.com and find them there as well, since most of them are members of ours. Um, but we would love to have one and all come for just Dr. Temple Grandin, come for the entire thing, come for a day, whatever works in your schedule. And if you can't come to any of it, we always have videos afterwards of all the different things, and we sell them as DVDs on our website, and you can go there and find your speaker that way. And you can also find uh, local clinics on the website as well. So if you can't get out to Colorado and want to do something more local, they're happening all year long. Yes, you can get certified as an instructor or a barn manager. And then of course, the regional conferences are year round. So come one, come all, check it out. We'd love it. And of course, well, all the past episodes that Christy has done through the years are on horsesinthemorning.com. If you scroll down to the middle of the page, you'll see the CHA logo. Click on that, and it just brings up all of the past episodes. And there are a lot of them now, so you'll find those there. And you can, of course, find uh, all of our shows on the Horse Radio Network, all 17 of them, on our app. iOS or Android, just search for Horse Radio Network. It's the simplest, easiest way to listen to our shows, and has the live feed button there so you can listen live if you're also planning on i know christy's planning on going to the world equestrian games we'll be doing a daily wrap-up show for our 2018 wake show at the end of every day and you can listen to those live on the app as well and christy thank you so much for joining us again this month it is always a pleasure, and I can't wait until I hopefully get to see you in North Carolina here soon. Yeah, that's right. And we'll also um, be back here tomorrow morning on Horses in the Morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. Jamie is off training horses, I think, in Montana for a week. So Dr. Wendy will be filling in tomorrow. So we'll be having a little fun in the show. Tune in 9 a.m. at Horses in the Morning. Thanks a bunch, everybody.